Hello and welcome to Pocket Therapist. I'm your host, Dr. Adam Moore, licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm going to teach you everything I've learned over the last 13 years as a therapist to help maximize the value you get out of your relationships. All right, welcome to today's episode. Today I've got a good friend of mine and colleague, Dan Solon. He's a clinical mental health counselor and works with me at Utah Valley Counseling. And uh, he's going to be talking to us about something called window of tolerance. Does that sound accurate? Yep, that works. Okay. And uh, how it relates to your relationships, how you manage uh, stress, how you deal with uh, interactions that are overwhelming, trauma, all of that good stuff, and uh, maybe save you a trip to the therapist. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Dan, maybe tell me a little bit about or tell the listeners a little bit about um what is window of tolerance? All right. where, does it, where does it come from? Like, where, where is this idea coming from? Sure. I mean, that's a great place to start. The, the concept of the window of tolerance was originated by Stephen Porges. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I, I have no idea. <laughs> Famous neuroscientist, therapist guy. And um, he created this theory called the polyvagal theory. And this is essentially how this theory works, is it says that all of us have this fight or flight response that exists outside of our conscious mind. This is, you know, this literal animalistic response we have is part of what we call the autonomic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system, we're not able to really control with our conscious mind. This is why if you've ever had a panic attack, you can sit there and say, oh, I'm having a panic attack. I really shouldn't have a panic attack. And then like 10 seconds later, you have a panic attack. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Once I saw a meme once that said, in the history of calming down, no one has ever calmed down because someone told them to calm down. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because this is existing in this, uh, this nervous system that really does exist outside of our conscious mind. That's why if we're calming people down from a panic attack, we want them to do breathing exercises and other things that circumvent the conscious mind and tap into this other part of the brain. Gotcha. And so where the name of the theory comes from is there's this vagus nerve network that connects our the back part of our brain called the limbic system down into our uh, our heart area and down into our like stomach. And so it communicates back and forth. And this is why often, you know, we we feel emotions in our stomach. We feel mm. them in our chest, right? In the yoga community, they call that what, your uh, chakras and yeah. your bandhas and other Eastern philosophies. Like whenever I'm with clients uh -huh. and I say, where are you feeling the emotion in your body? I'm talking 95% of the time it's in chest or stomach. Yeah. Almost always. And then sometimes there's other muscle groups or wherever different places around the body, but that's almost always where it happens. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't know that. This is new information for me. So there this you is go. cool. <laughs> yeah. And so this, this nervous system, it pretty much says that, um, or this theory, the polyvagal theory again, says that anytime there's some type of activating event, and I know it's a very fancy way of putting it, pretty much it means if there's a stressor in life that makes our brain primitive or consciously think we're in danger, it's going to escalate this autonomic nervous system. And we call that the sympathetic nervous system. And the only reason I'm using these fancy words as we talk about this, like in ninth grade biology and <laughs> pretty common terminology. And we'll, we'll quit using it here in a second. But the sympathetic nervous system escalates our fight or flight response, right? This is why if we go to the haunted house and people jump out and scare us, we have that rush of endorphins and adrenaline in our body. And it's kind of funny and 
because there's or terrifying. Yeah, or terrifying. And this fight or flight response it works really quickly. I mean, you know, I think, um, oh man, Dan Siegel calls this the smoke alarm, where it's it happens instantly at the first whiff of smoke, and then you know, often our prefrontal cortex kicks in. It's much slower. Right. And then says, oh, this is just some dumb 16-year-old kid with a chainsaw with no chain on it mm-hmm. trying to scare me. And then we kind of calm down and you repeat that a hundred times and then you're completely psyched out for the rest of the night and don't sleep till 2 a.m. after the haunted house. Right. And, and we wish in horror movies that people had a better connection to this system because they always walk into the closet where the killer is. They walk uh, backwards down the hall. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you're always yelling at the screen like, what are you doing? <laughs> When events happen that make us feel like we're under threat and we're going to die. And our typical first response is to go into fight or flight, which is fight is I'm going to punch you in the face or call you names to make you back off or Mm -hmm. some type of response to say, you're this big scary bear and I'm scaring you away. Right. Flight is I'm going to run away and I'm going to get away from this threat. And most of us have a how do you put it? Most of us have a like a default, a default yeah. that we tend to go to more more than the other. We'll Mine's pro- totally flight. Yeah. I'm running. I'm a flight person too. <laughs> That's why we're therapists and not boxers. That's right. <laughs> it is funny though because we we all have different responses, right? Like we've been we have this 110 pound Pyrenees mixed dog we own, and then we have this cat who's 13 years old, and he keeps getting up into her grill, and he wants to be her friend, and she gets up on her hind legs and starts boxing his face. <laughs> she's the fight, or she's very much a fight response. Yeah. And he, he is really trying hard to wrap his head around why she doesn't want to be his friend. Yeah, he just can't figure it nope. out. <laughs> Not at all. And then we have a couple other cats who are flight, and they just... If they hear the dog in the house, they're gone. Mm. They're in the garage, or through the cat door. They're not coming back. And so... You tend to see that response a lot. Gotcha. And this is common. We learn about this in, again, biology, and we this is kind of part of our vernacular. We have fight-or-flight response. Right. Okay. What happens now is that's our sympathetic nervous system escalating us. Then we have this other system called the parasympathetic nervous system, part of the autonomic nervous system. It releases other hormones. It calms us down. It brings us back out of that. Para means against. So if you want to remember sympathetic Escalates you. Parasympathetic means against sympathetic. It calms you back down. That's right. Our backup system says if my fight or flight fails, instead I'm going to go into freeze mode. And freeze mode is where your parasympathetic system becomes overly active and it brings you down to this very low arousal state where you actually disconnect from your body. Mm-hmm. And now you're probably thinking, why would I ever want this? And if you watch like a nature video, they, you know, you watch the cheetah chase the gazelle and they have this good run and the gazelle's slowly losing ground. There's a point where the gazelle's like, okay, I'm done. And the gazelle sits down and the cheetah catches it and um, has it in its, it has its neck in its mouth. And the gazelle's like lifeless. It doesn't move. And we're like, what is going on? Why isn't the gazelle fake it? Is it going to run off? I mean, what's happening? But At that point, the gazelle has gone into freeze mode, which is I'm going to disconnect from my body. I'm not going to feel pain anymore. I may be in like a beach in Bermuda in my mind, (laughs) right? (laughs) The the gazelle only beach. (laughs) That's right. Gazelle only beach. But it's gone to the state where it can't feel pain and is pretty much preparing to die or experience this extremely painful thing. Mm. And that's a backup response to the fight or flight. 
which by the way sometimes in some contexts playing dead actually works really well because it gives you a few seconds to you know maybe confuses the other enemy and they go oh they're dead maybe i don't have to work so hard and then you can take off running again so (laughs) there's the possibility but it sounds like most of the time it's a survival instinct for maybe disconnecting from the impending pain or whatever yeah exactly i mean i've caught or you know a couple times cats have brought birds in the house in the last year and i've gone and pried the bird out of the cat's mouth and gone and taken it and put it on a branch and the bird at that point is in this freeze mode where it's quit fighting and i'll put it up on a branch and then we'll sit there and shake a little bit and come back every five minutes and eventually after like 15 20 minutes it's come out of the freeze mode its brain's reconnected it's and it flies off and yeah yeah that's so interesting. So a lot of people don't know about the freeze part, fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah. Right? That's a great way of putting it. Now, how this all ties into the polyvagal theory is it says that there's this sweet spot where we're not in fight or flight and we're not in freeze. It's somewhere in the middle. And they call this the window of tolerance. How the window of tolerance applies, or what this window of tolerance means is there's a point where I am dealing with a stressor that's scary enough, it's threatening enough that I now, it now enters my consciousness. It's now something I want to work on. Mm-hmm. But it's not so overwhelming that I can't even deal with it, that it, I'm just going to shut down or fight or go into fight or flight, right? There's a sweet spot for dealing with conflict and issues in our life. And that's essentially this area of the window of tolerance. Because it sounds like what you're saying is in the window of tolerance is where I'm going to do my best work, where I'm going to be the most likely to be consciously aware, working on stuff, addressing issues, staying in it as opposed to wanting to fight, which doesn't usually solve problems unless the problem is someone's trying to kill me or whatever. Uh, run away, which definitely doesn't solve most problems unless I'm just trying to survive. Especially not a marriage. Yeah. <laughs> right. But but people go there all the time. And maybe this is a good moment to take a little bit of a detour before we get mm-hmm. back into the science of it. And that is contextually for the people who are listening to the podcast, this is mission critical to understand for marital conflict, for example, relationship conflict, parent-child conflict, uh, when you're getting in trouble at work, when you feel like you have a deadline you're supposed to meet and suddenly you panic, like I'm not going to be able to do it, and then people just shut down, right? Or we see this Mm -hmm. all the time in marriage when, um, and especially this seems to be like the gender stereotype, is that Men, on average, tend to be the, the guys that want to run away. The people that want to run away, they, they run, and then the women are more likely, statistically, uh, at least in you know our experience, to be like, no, no, let's do this. Let's engage this issue. In fact, that's exactly what my last episode talked about, is that, you know, that uh, difference between men and mm-hmm. women. Now, as a side note, I had a few people reach out and go, a couple women are like, I must be a guy because I, I'm exactly like the guys you were describing. And that's actually normal. We say that a lot. People, couples, they feel like, oh my gosh, we're reversed from normal. It's just probably less uh, common, but it's yeah. not like abnormal or anything. So this is important for people who get into situations where it's like relationship conflict and they either want to just start hammering the other person to get them to be quiet and listen to what they have to say to run away to avoid the conflict or they just freeze and don't. And, and a lot of people will do this. They just stop talking. Yeah. Right? We'll hear this all the time in therapy where they say, right now they're doing it. They just have that dumb during the headlights look. Right. And I'm like, yep, they're in freeze mode. They're disconnected. Right now they are literally like watching football in their brain or buying the groceries or doing something else. Right. They're on another planet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, this is when we talk about like people who are abused as children and how they don't remember these experiences because they're literally 
their brain takes them somewhere else so they don't experience the pain. Right. So let's, maybe we can even come up with some terminology for this, and we'll pull this from the polyvagal theory too. Okay. What we know is that when people are below the window of tolerance, things are so far away that they don't even want to deal with them. We, we can call that hypoarousal, right? Low, Meaning low arousal. Low right? arousal, that's right. And we're talking not sexual arousal here. We are talking like this fight or flight response arousal. Mm-hmm. And so when people are in hypoarousal, for example, if I am sitting here going, it is March 15th. It's Friday night. I just got done with a week of therapy. The new Marvel movie came out. I want to go watch that. Or I can work on my taxes. At this point, on March 15th, that looming deadline of a month away seems so far away. I'm not being triggered it's enough. fine. I've got plenty of time. That's right. I'm below my window of tolerance here. I'm compartmentalizing a little. I'm taking that, sticking it in a box, putting it up on a shelf, going, I have time. I'll come back to this. My week was hard. It was long. I deserve a Marvel movie, or maybe my wife wants me to to go with her to the latest Nicholas Sparks book turned into a movie, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's how we stay married, is doing things like that. <laughs> yeah, and good for her for coming to Marvel movies with me. Exactly. I know that every single time she's like, I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> Nor do I care, but I love you, so here I am. <laughs> That's right. But either way, though, <laughs> so we come back to this, that looming deadline is so far off we don't want to deal with it. And sometimes we, we do that. We compartmentalize. We, we pretend things aren't happening to us. We maybe go into this state of denial where we're like, I can't handle this right now. I don't want to go up into the window of tolerance. Right. And that's something that happens sometimes to keep us below it. Now it gets closer. It's April 10th. And my window of tolerance or my triggers start going up. And all of a sudden, I'm pretty motivated to start working on those taxes. I'm in the zone. I'm like, okay. Rather than watching Netflix tonight or going up the canyon or doing something else, I'm going to go home. I'm going to pull out my tax forms and get going on this. Right. I'm in that win of tolerance. It's the sweet spot. I'm motivated. The stress from the deadline is motivating me. Now. So it's like just enough stress yeah. to get you motivated, right? Sometimes people mm-hmm. think stress is bad. Yeah. This is this kind of stress that gets you engaged in the thing, but not so much stress that we cause other problems, right? Exactly. Because all of a sudden, if it's uh, April 15th and it's 11 p.m., <laughs> my response to getting my taxes starts to look very differently. Right. All of a sudden, my brain is telling me that I'm going to, uh, and this is not my conscious brain again. Remember, this all exists in that limbic system, that lizard brain that kicks this fight or flight response mm-hmm. in. All of a sudden, my brain is telling me that I'm not going to get my taxes in on time. The government's going to charge me $5,000. They're going to come tomorrow to get me, throw me in jail. And my life is going to be over, right? right? Right. At least that's what's happening in that quarter second before my conscious prefrontal cortex kicks in. So all of a sudden I start having this experience where maybe I'm like, where's this document and I can't find it. And I start getting more upset and maybe all of a sudden, you know, there's screaming kids or Mm -hmm. Or a cat fighting a dog. That's right. (laughs) That's right. A cat is boxing a 110 pound dog in the face. (laughs) And, um, all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm flooded. And this means, this means that all those fight or flight hormones in my body, the adrenaline has pushed me up above my window of tolerance. And now those fight or flight responses, um, 
the brain, all the blood moves out of my brain into my arms or legs so I can mm-hmm. fight or flight. I am more irritable. And these sensations I'm now experiencing, the stress and the anxiety I experience, now become so overwhelming and intense, I can no longer focus on the taxes. My brain no longer can say to me, hey, by freaking out, you're going to take twice as long to do your taxes. You're less likely to get this done on time. Right. Because you're not thinking at all. You're just panicking. Exactly. Right? This, I've had, go ahead. I, I've had that happen where like, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and like seven things that I'm supposed to be doing pop into my head and they won't go away. And it's like 2 a.m. There's nothing I can do about any of this stuff. But I cannot go back to sleep because I am absolutely panicked about getting it all done, even though if I had a chance to really think through it, I would go, okay, well, four of those things aren't due for several weeks, right? They're not due in the morning. And and I'm going to be fine. I always get everything done, you know. Costco's not open at 1 a.m. either. I can't go to Costco. There's nothing (laughs) I can do right now. But my brain starts absolutely panicking, and I can't even get myself to calm down, right? Yeah. At least, you know, easily. I have to put some work into it. And maybe that's we're going to go at some point yeah. here is talk about how to calm down, right? For sure. So in that moment, you are what we would call flooded. Yeah. Those fight or flight hormones are now superseding your ability to actually focus on the problem. Your effectiveness of solving the problem is now dramatically decreased. Right. Now, maybe, you know, at one point your brain too says, I'm going to fail. I'm going to die. Right. So I might as well just give up. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go into freeze mode, which means I'm now going to go eat a whole carton of ice cream. And binge watch something on Netflix. That's right. Say, oh, well. I'm disconnecting, right? (laughs) Right. So there's a little bit of that disassociation or disconnecting from the body and being Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, I'm not going to make this work anyways. Right. Okay. So this is our terminology now. We know that when we're below below the window of tolerance, this is hypoarousal. That might either take the form of compartmentalization, meaning we just put everything in a box and try and hide from it. Right. Or this could be that disassociation. I've gone to fight or flight and now I've gone back to like, this is too much. I'm disconnecting from myself. Right. Or we know that, you know, we have the window of tolerance there in the middle, which is our sweet spot. And then above that is flooding. Perfect. Okay. So if we could sum it up in one sentence, it is pretty much this. Problem solving does not happen outside of the window of tolerance. All right, people, I want you to pay very close attention to what Dan just said. Problem solving does not happen outside of the window of tolerance. There was an earlier episode where I talked about not spiraling out of control, and this perfectly connects with what I was talking about. You actually can't do those uh, those exercises. You can't say those sentences to yourself. You can't connect in that way if you are outside of the window of tolerance. So if you found yourself trying to do the exercise from the previous episode about not spiraling out of control. I think it's emotional topic is the episode. If you find yourself not being able to do that, it's because you are outside the window of tolerance. So now uh, Dan's going to help us understand how to stay within the window of tolerance sure. uh, so that you can actually do those exercises. Sure. Does that sound legit? Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about we even take a little bit of a detour first? So it's, right now we're dealing with this very scientific um, approach to this when we're kind of talking in theoreticals. Maybe we can go through some examples of what we see yeah. that are common ways of getting flooded, disassociated. We can talk about some of those patterns and maybe you can start to identify what are some of those times in my life that I uh, that I 
experience this and then we can talk about how to come back down when we're flooded or how to reconnect when we're disassociated Perfect. and then maybe after that we can talk about what are some of the things that stop us from doing this yeah for sure okay all right well, let's talk about one of the most common things that you're probably going to experience fight or flight wise in a relationship and it's this the belief that we're not enough our spouse isn't going to love us somehow we're going to be rejected right and very rarely do we word it like that it usually looks very different um i'm trying to think of what that looks like everybody is that a, is that like everybody hates me i suck i, I don't ever do anything right <laughs> doesn't matter how hard i try yeah i think all those stuff. could push us into that those belief systems that we often talk about right. in therapy or if you read Brene brown or anyone else those type of belief systems definitely could be what triggers those fight or flight responses mm -hmm. so maybe um you know here's a real common one maybe it's coming up on your anniversary and you're like, I really want to make this important for my spouse. I want them to feel loved. I'm having secondary trauma right now. Just thinking about all the times I've messed up on anniversaries That's right. and birthdays and other events. I'm not an event guy. I do a terrible job at events. I'm, I'm all there. I'm all in like the rest of the time. But when an event comes, I'm like, uh Oh, I'm supposed to do something magical and I don't know what to do. That's so. right. No pressure, right? Yeah. <laughs> no pressure. So yeah, here, this so is a perfect example. That, it's coming up. So here it is. It's we're a month away from the anniversary. You have time. You're, you're below that window of tolerance, right? right? What's the point where you start to get up into that window of tolerance? Maybe where the sweet spot hits. For me, it's like <laughs> this is going to be hilarious. <laughs> this is going to tell you how terrible I do at things like this. But for me, it's like when I'm getting to the point where I can't get the two-day Amazon delivery. That's <laughs> the thing I'm going to buy. <laughs> I'm like, man, I got to get on this before before I got to pay for the overnight delivery. Or this last year, um, in fact, my wife just had a birthday, and I really wanted to do something not off of Amazon for her, so I showed that I actually cared. So I was like, I'm going to find something handmade, right? And so for me, the window of tolerance is I got to know how, about how much time it would do, take to do a handmade thing, right? Uh, before it's like, oh gosh, it's four days before her birthday. It's too late. So it's the amount of time when I know I have a little bit of time left, but if I don't get on it in the next like 72 hours, it's going to be bad. Right. right Now, here we are. We're in a therapy setting or therapeutic setting talking about this with our rational prefrontal cortexes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> when you go through that process, how much time are you actually spending in your prefrontal cortex? Uh, not, not probably not enough. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's mostly like ignore, ignore, ignore. Holy, holy cow. I, I better get on this right now. And then sometimes, uh-oh, yeah. I blew it. How can I, how so can I make it, this up to my wife now? That's right. So now you're flooded. What does that flooding look like in that state? For me, it's like, it can be a sense of hopelessness, despair, you know, I, I, I've ruined it now. I don't know how I'm going to be able to solve this. And, you know, gosh, how do I, what story do I need to say to explain why I wasn't able to get this done? Well, I'm so busy doing nice stuff for you 24-7 that I didn't have time to go to the store to do something extra nice. That's right. <laughs> What's going on in your body right now as you're even talking about this? Yeah, so I can actually, and it's funny because our bodies respond even when we're not uh -huh. in the middle of the real deal. I'm feeling tense. I got tension. Usually my lower back is where I hold my stuff, right? Mm -hmm. That's typically where I hold my stress. That's the flooded part where it's like, there's nothing I can do now to solve this. So I actually can feel my body is getting tense. And even though the room we're in is already, it's extremely hot. It's very warm in here, but I'm just now noticing it for the first time, right? Okay. Like, I'm like, 
can we end the podcast now? I think <laughs> I need to go chill out. <laughs> you go take a break. Yeah. And what's even funnier is as I'm listening to you, that empathy part of my brain, we call them the mirror neurons, right? Mm-hmm. That, that see you and feel it. I'm like feeling tenseness in my shoulders and my arms. Like, <laughs> is this marriage going to survive? That's right. All the blood's <laughs> flowing into my arms. I feel like I'm like, I can feel that tenseness in my forearms. Like mm-hmm. my body is going into fire. I'm ready to punch something. <laughs> Which is funny because I don't think I've ever even thrown a punch. So. Yeah. <laughs> So, millions, <laughs> millions of years of evolution have worked out right. That's right. <laughs> okay. So a very common experience that, I mean, we might have this experience where we wait too long for homework and now it's the 12th hour and we're up at four in the morning writing a term paper. Right. This might be that flight response. And then we have that complete meltdown. We're sobbing, crying. Our spouse brings us like sugary foods and comforts us as we <laughs> <laughs> waste away into utter chaos. They calm us back down. They help soothe us and they help bring us back into our window of tolerance. We get done. We, we bang out that paper in the next two hours. We actually finish it two hours before the deadline. We actually get to sleep two hours before we go to work <laughs> that day. <laughs> right. It all works out. And, and, and there's something about sometimes a, 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 another person who can remind you of something mm-hmm. that is real that you cannot wrap your head around in the middle of it, right? For That's someone right. to say, you know what? The worst thing that can happen is you get a C on this and you'll, you're not going to die. You know, yep. it's not going to ruin your life. And then you're like, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. I forgot about not dying because of term papers. That's right. Let's use your prefrontal cortex here a little bit. But what I'm right. And that, that's exactly what it is. Let's shift that blood back in the prefrontal cortex. Let's use a little bit of logic here. Let's get out that lizard brain, which is really good at keeping us alive. Right. In sticky situations or threatening situations. Not so good when it is these almost made up constructs of like a term paper. Right. Like an A is akin to staying alive. You know, this is really important then that we, we also touched on this idea of knowing what our body feels like in fight or flight is pretty important. That's, that's going to be a key factor to tell us, hey, I'm maybe flooded and my ability to effectively deal with this is probably going down. And probably for most of us has come from enough therapy sessions sitting on a couch and learning that like when I feel a certain way, nothing good happens. I'm going to yell, I'm going to scream, I'm going to curl up on the ball and cry inconsolably right. or, or curl up in a ball on the ground crying inconsolably. I, and I was just thinking that it's such a common tendency, and I do this too, when I'm outside the window of tolerance, I want to figure out who else is at fault for how I'm feeling, <laughs> right? So I, especially when I'm flooded, when I'm flooded and I'm feeling that stress in my lower back, I'm immediately looking everywhere. Oh, why didn't everybody clean up this, their, their food after lunch? And how come you didn't do this for me? And why didn't you remind me to do this thing? And it's always about how somebody else is at fault for how I'm feeling because I'm just trying to figure out what's wrong. And it does help mm-hmm. a ton now for me to be able to go, oh, my lower back's hurting. That means I'm overloaded. I know from experience that that means I'm outside the window of tolerance and I've got to breathe, you know, and just sit for a minute and not try to solve anything. Because if I try to solve it now, someone else is going to get hurt, guaranteed. Yeah. So how long does it usually take to come back into the window of tolerance? You know, for me, it takes a while because I have, I, and I don't know, This maybe this is me trying to make myself feel better, but I feel everything so deeply 
you know, and I feel the, the intensity of how another person's going to be upset. Let me give you a quick example. Um, this happened like literally just before walking in to <laughs> this episode. What? It Therapists is... get triggered sometimes? <laughs> That's right. Never. I, I, I promised our, uh, the owner of the building and our, for our new Las Vegas office that I would make the payment on the first because he, he said, Hey, look, I'm a, I'm a small business owner. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't have you making this payment on the sixth cause my payments due on the fifth. And so the first was on Sunday, so it's yesterday, and I completely forgot. So my wife sends me a text in the middle of the night because she woke up and remembered. Sends Or no, an email. She sends me an email. I wake up later in the middle of the night, see the email, and go into complete panic mode because I'm suddenly absorbing all of what I think this guy's emotions are going to be. He's going to be mad at me. It's the, only the second month, and we're already messing up. We look incompetent. you know. And so I'm completely panicked. And so then I'm running to the bank, you know, between a therapy appointment and doing this episode Mm -hmm. and getting in there and going, I'm looking at my watch every five seconds. There's only 20 minutes left to that wire transfer is going to be too late and he's going to be so mad, you know? And so it's this panicked rush in there. And which by the way, is usually when I make a lot of mistakes, I'll drive past the street I'm supposed to turn on because I'm so panicked Mm -hmm. that I actually make it worse for myself. I should never drive when I'm in a rush (laughs) because I always miss my turn off. Always. And you're bringing up this great observation of, uh, well, Number one, I think it's time for Adam to go see his therapist and talk about really proper to... bottom lines for his phone use at night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Number two, you bring up this great fact of when we are flooded, our brain does what it's supposed to, which is if we're, you know, we're, we're going to use our analogy of I'm about to be eaten by a bear. Right. So when we're about to be eaten by a bear, the last thing we want to do is focus on superfluous information that will not keep us alive. Did I iron my shirt today? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And so our brain almost gets this tunnel vision where all we can focus on is what we perceive as the danger and the threat. This Mm -hmm. is why when this fight or flight kicks in and you're you're flooded, why it seems like you just can't calm down, you're ruminating, you're freaking out. Mm Because in that moment, it's like, oh, here's a bear. It's going to eat me. I need to run away as fast as I can. And it's not till five minutes later when we're safely, you know, half a mile down the trail and we look up and the bear's still there eating honey. And we look down and are like, oh, no, I gashed open my leg and I'm bleeding out. Right. And I didn't even feel the pain. And then about two seconds later, all of a sudden our leg hurts tremendously. Right. Because our brain does this great thing where it, it actually gets tunnel vision and doesn't allow us to think about anything until the threat's done. So there you are. Back to our example, driving to go pay this or do the mm-hmm. wire transfer and your brain's like, other streets are irrelevant. Other cars are irrelevant. I'm just going. <laughs> Get it. And, and in fact, in my brain, all I'm thinking about is how do I, what's the fastest way to get into the building? How mm-hmm. do I get in and talk to the, uh, you know, somebody that, you know, in the quickest right. way? And then I miss the road because I'm too busy focusing on trying yep. to accomplish the task. Yeah. So when we're fighting with our spouse or having that experience, at the same time, it's like, all I need to do is get my spouse to back down and leave me alone. I'll say anything in the moment, right. even something I'll regret 30 seconds later. Right. Or I just need to run away and all I can think of is, you know, looking for the door. And the 15th time I've looked at the door and my spouse is like, you don't even want to talk with me or whatever yeah. it is we yeah. do, right? It's just that, again, that sign of my brain is just trying to survive and my ability to fix this is seriously compromised. Right. Not And not of anything of my... This is not a shortcoming for you, for me, for any of our listeners. This is our brain doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It's making sure we don't get eaten by the bear. All right. 
and and all that matters when there's a bear in front of you is not getting eaten by the bear. That's, That's right. the only thing that matters. So, all right, so this is to be continued. We've got sort of the, the foundation of the polyvagal theory and window of tolerance. And we've started talking about situations where we get outside of our, our window of tolerance. Next episode, we're gonna start talking practically what are the things that we can do to actually stay within the window of tolerance and be the most productive and the most effective at solving problems. Yeah, sounds great. All right, until next time, my friends, here we go.